Well, good morning. Thank you to those of you who are worshiping with us online. Uh, we appreciate you uh, diving in here with us. And for those in the room, it's good to see your face, or at least most of your face, for those of you who still have masks on. Uh, it's good to see you guys. We are kicking off a brand new series this week uh, called You're Gonna Make It. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to jump into this new series and this new idea. And, and a great launching point is actually something that was a, a headlining story in the news this week um, about the person who is my doppelganger. Um, I don't know if you know that I had a doppelganger. Do you know what a doppelganger is? It's essentially your mirrored image. It's, it's your identical person who exists. Like in comic books, usually it's in an alternate universe that you've got this other person who looks exactly like you. It's your doppelganger. And I don't know that you knew that I had one. Um, and really you couldn't have, have told before, but for the last five weeks, um, I've been working out. And so my doppelganger is a guy named Dwayne Johnson. Um, maybe you know him as The Rock. Um, and it's embarrassing how people always confuse us in public. And, um, I don't know why that's funny. My wife is losing composure on the front row. So, okay. Maybe the only thing that he and I have in common is my rapidly receding hairline. Maybe that's it. Okay. Um, but he did make the news this week and it really is significant to the beginning of our sermon this morning. This week, he hit a milestone of 200 million followers on Instagram. He's now officially the most followed man in the world. And to celebrate that, he, he did a video um, that, that he put on Instagram, actually put on a bow tie and, and a whole nine. And in that video, he said, the life lesson I want to share with you guys is to always speak your truth. Sounds pretty inspirational, right? The reason that he hit the milestone of 200 million followers around the world is for the first time in his uh, career as former wrestler and now movie actor, he endorsed a candidate for presidency. And that's why people have been following him. And, and so he said, listen, I, I've learned something in this. Always speak your truth. He went on to say, again, to be very inspirational, he said, again, always speak your truth. And do your best to speak your truth with compassion, with a little bit of poise, with a little bit of dignity, with respect and empathy. Even when speaking your truth means you're going to dive into some conversations that might make people a little uncomfortable. That was his quote. And if nothing about that quote is a red flag to you, let me point it out for you. It's a simple word, your and the problem with your is it can't go before the word truth because <laughs> it implies that I can have a version of something called truth. And, and here's the deal. You all laughed when the picture of the rock went up and I told you that that was my doppelganger. You're like, you're the pebble, right? But what if I told you, no, that's my truth. You would say your truth is false. Because what we all acknowledge is there's no such thing as arbitrary truth. We just pick and choose what areas of life we apply that to. And what I believe we're desperate for in our world today is a dose of truth. Because I don't know about you, it's hard to know what to believe anymore. This morning's sermon is entitled, The Truth About COVID-19. 
That's a pretty brazen title, right? As though I have something figured out. Hang with me. I think you'll agree with the truth that we'll discuss this morning. Because the fact is, I'm not going to talk about a lot of medical stuff this morning. One of the things that our culture is so frustrated about right now is that our experts don't agree with each other. Because we think our truth is a bigger deal than it actually is. We, we want so bad for there to be answers to this thing. Like, is this a big deal? The death rate's so low. I mean, what, what's the big deal? It, do masks work or not work? Literally being stuck in quarantine for the last two weeks and reading what the CDC says about masks. I'm like, they are talking out both sides of their masks. I said masks, mom. Not, okay. So they're talking out both sides of other things too, but like they're, like, is it real or is it not? About two weeks ago, I saw a headlining article about how the NFL is reconsidering whether or not coaches and players can wear neck gaiters on the sidelines because they're they're citing that it's not effective enough. And it was either the same afternoon or the next morning. I can't remember. I wish I'd have written it down. But either the same day or the very next day was a medical article being released talking about how effective neck gaiters are. Like, what is the what's real? Is it true that you can have COVID and not have symptoms, or is that just a false positive? The whole idea of asymptomatic COVID is this huge gray area that everybody seems to disagree on. If you think you have COVID or that you've been exposed to COVID, is it sufficient to quarantine for five days and then get tested, or maybe 10 like most hospitals are doing, or what the CDC is doing to schools? Nope, it's 14. What is it? Is six feet really magical or is it six and a half or four there's so many unanswered questions where's the truth what's the truth this morning in the midst of all the questions i believe the people of god need to plant ourselves in what's true so i invite you please to grab the truth If you're a guest here today or if you're following with us online, we have a tradition here at Temple for the last nine years or nine and a half years. Before we dive into this book, we hold it up in the air and we say a creed together about what we believe this book is. And we collectively pray a prayer to prepare and posture our hearts. And so, listen, I need you to say it twice as loud as normal this morning, right, to help fill the space and to talk through your mask. So let's hold up our Bibles and let's declare this with conviction this morning. Here we go. Even at home, say it with us. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Pause there. The truth. Truth always results in change. That's where you say amen. The truth always results in change. The truth of the Bible will change my life. We may now continue. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me. For your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you so much. Please turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 will actually be in this chapter for the next two weeks. This week as we discuss the truth about COVID-19. Next week we're going to talk about the truth about suffering. As you're turning to John chapter 20 or scrolling to John chapter 20. If you're watching on your phone, the text will be here on the TV beside me. 
As you're looking for John chapter 20, I, I just want to say this. The, the two weeks that we went back online only because of COVID exposure, I just want to say thank you for your patience. Um, we've been using a phrase around here a lot the last couple months that we borrowed from some other churches who were also using the phrase. Uh, and that is stay flexible, stay faithful, and through it all, stay friendly. And I want to thank you for being so flexible. Uh, most of you are being more flexible than me. <laughs> when we had to go back to online only, I was pretty frustrated by that. And uh, one of our lay leaders, a member of our leadership team, Joe DeMint's reply was, dude, we knew this was coming. <laughs> we just got to make the best of it, right? And so I'm grateful for your grace and for your patience in all of this. And uh, for those of you worshiping online, thank you for staying engaged with us. Um, and here's the deal. We might be back online again next week. If anything, this revealed how fragile all this is to me uh, with exposure and, and all those kind of things. I will tell you, we've learned as a staff how to be smarter with each other so that if one of us is exposed, not all of us are, so that we don't have to shut the whole thing down next time. Uh, so we're learning as we go through all of this. And so thank you for your patience with that. Those of you who've continued to be faithful to give, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, our bills haven't changed in the midst of COVID-19. Um, and so thank you to those of you who've continued to be faithful uh, to give as the Lord has blessed you. Um, and I, I just wanted to kind of stick a parenthesis here before we dive in and just say a, a big old thank you to all of you. We're going to look at just a handful of verses this morning and then unpack them as we're looking for the truth. The big picture truth, but also that relates to our moment in this story we're going to call it the truth about COVID-19, but it'll also be the truth about the next crisis you walk through in your life as well. Beginning in verse number 19. On the evening of that day, we'll circle back to what that day is, but that day was so significant, we call it that day, right? On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They are locked away in fear. And here's what happened. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Hallelujah. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the understatement of two millennia, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he broke COVID-19 protocol and defied CDC regulations and breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk this morning about the truth about COVID-19. We're going to seek to pull seven, I believe, timeless and unquenchable truths from this text this morning. The first truth that we'll examine is this. The truth is there are reasons to feel fear. Makes sense. The disciples were locked and hiding behind a locked door from fear of the Jews. Why were they so afraid of the Jews? Because the Jews had just executed their Messiah. 
They had just executed their leader, the person that they had left everything to follow after, by the way, very publicly to follow after him, was just crucified again very publicly. They had a reason to be afraid. What we'll see in this text, though, there's a big difference between feeling fear and being controlled by fear. Feeling fear and being captive to fear. Feeling fear and being stuck in our fear. There's a very big difference. But we want to notice first, there are logical Understandable reasons to feel fear. Some of you this morning in this room or watching online have legitimate fear for your job. You've watched other people that are as qualified as you be furloughed or laid off. And there's rumor and chatter. More layoffs might be coming and and all of this might last longer. And maybe you feel fear about providing for your family and taking care of your household. And what I want to speak to you today is feeling that fear does not make you a bad follower of Jesus. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. That doesn't make you a weak person. That doesn't make you a person without faith. But we can feel that fear and not be stuck in it, controlled by it, a captive to it. Perhaps you're what's considered at risk. I'll be honest with you. When I read the list of at risk people, it sounds like Americans. (laughs) Overweight and out of shape and oh, that's me. Okay. Like, so we read that list. And we're like, uh-oh, I check a bunch of boxes, right? And so perhaps you have fear of getting sick. That doesn't make you a bad person or a crazy person. Listen, we, we laid to rest one of our own members because of COVID-19. Many of us know other people outside of our church that we've lost to COVID-19. This morning as I'm preaching, one of our dear friends from Atlanta is in ICU. We're praying he'll turn a corner. It's not looked that great, to be honest. And two weeks ago, we lost a very close friend from our former life in Florida. The guy was in our wedding. Not that much older than me. And and in case you're the skeptic, no, he died from COVID. Like, (laughs) we, we can talk around this all we want. Maybe you have a fear of that. That doesn't make you a bad person. Maybe you have a fear that the economy is not going to recover quick enough. Maybe that fear is tied to the election somehow in your mind that that the economy will be stronger with one candidate or the other. I tend to agree. And so maybe you have a fear of how is all that going to work. Maybe you have a fear that things are going to get more tense between now and November 3rd. And I don't know how to tell you this, but that fear is real. Maybe you have a fear that magically in the election, we're not going to see racial tension healed in our culture. Maybe you have a fear that your candidate isn't going to win and that magic bubbles won't float from the sky because we put somebody in the White House. Maybe you have a fear that COVID's not going to be over soon. I don't know how to tell you this. The the people who seem to have been the most right in their guesses about this thing are saying we're still a year out. And those are all legitimate things to say, hmm, that doesn't sound great. It's okay to have some fear about that. But if we give that fear authority, we go hide behind a locked door, we're not walking in faith. There are legitimate reasons to feel fear. Maybe the fear for you is less about what's happening outside of you and more about what's happening inside of you. Because maybe you would say you're on that list of people who would say COVID hasn't created any marriage problems, but it sure has revealed a bunch. There's a lot of marriages in complete crisis in the last seven or eight months. 
Maybe that person who had a little bit of a drinking problem, you'd say, man, it's out of control right now. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm never going to get my life back in control. Maybe you used to struggle a little bit with lust and now you're a porn addict in the last eight months and you're like, I don't know that I'll ever get free from this. There's very real reasons living in a broken world to feel fear. We just don't believe that's where the story ends. (laughs) That's just where the story starts. Because here's truth number two that we see in the story is, yeah, they're hiding and afraid. And then Jesus came among them. Jesus shows up in our fears. The truth is, Jesus shows up in our fears. They did not unlock the door. They did not open the door. Jesus showed up in their fear. Which is why he had to be like, peace be with you. Because they were like, ah. <laughs> Jesus shows up. And in this season of isolation, this season of quarantine, this season of people feeling so removed and, and like we're, we're just stuck looking outside at the world happening around us, I just want you to know there's no such thing as alone for the followers of Jesus. There's no such thing as isolation for the followers of Jesus. There's no such thing as being on your own and disconnected and removed. He's present. He's present. He's present. He's the God who shows up in our fears. You're not as alone as you feel. Don't be ruled by your emotions. Don't be ruled by your feelings. Don't be ruled by what you can or cannot see. He's present. It's who he is. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. He's the very present help in trouble. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's as close as the air we breathe through our masks. (laughs) He shows up. It's what he does. You are not alone. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. He isn't hoping you'll figure your way out of this on your own. That's not who he is. The truth is, (laughs) Jesus shows up in our fears. We're going to talk actually a little more about that next Sunday, Lord willing. Truth number three, there's reasons to feel fear, but truth is Jesus shows up in our fear. Number three, the truth is Jesus offers peace in our fear. Jesus says to them, peace be with you. And here's what's really important. Jesus offers peace and promises peace without resolving the thing they were afraid of. The threat was still real. This idea that the soldiers that crucified Jesus might be right now looking for us, the Jewish leaders that did the fake mock trial in the dark of night for Jesus, maybe they're looking for us. People know about this room. I mean, it's called the upper room. So maybe it's gotten around that we're in the upper room. That threat was not resolved and Jesus still spoke peace because what is offered in Jesus is a peace that surpasses understanding. I don't understand what's going to come of the economy, but I can have peace that surpasses my understanding of the economy. I can have peace that surpasses my understanding of COVID-19. I can have peace that surpasses my understanding of, of, of political turmoil and, and cancerous treatment of one another within our country. I, I can't understand 
understand how racial tensions will be resolved, but I can have a peace that surpasses my understanding of it because what's offered in Jesus is a peace beyond my circumstances. Those fears are real. I just believe there's something greater, something that rules over the fears, namely the Prince of Peace. And it's great that he shows up in our fears. Just being present. That would be enough to praise him and to live different. But it's not just that he's there. He's literally speaking a benediction of hope and peace and blessing over you as his children today. He offers peace. Maybe not resolution to the circumstance. One pastor said it this way. Peace is always The Christian response. We're the children of peace. We're the sons and daughters of peace. The truth is, there are reasons to feel fear. The truth is, Jesus shows up in our fears. And the truth is, Jesus offers peace in our fears. The next truth, number four, is this. The truth is, the cross changes our perspective of our fears. The cross changes the way we look at, perceive, experience our fears. Because Jesus shows up in that place and he speaks peace over them verbally, but then visually he does something incredible. <laughs> he shows them his hands and his side. The one who created such a thing as hands shows ones with wounds. Jesus shows them in their fear, this is how much I love you. These are the lengths that I will go to to show you how very much you are loved. (laughs) That changes our whole perspective of what we're afraid of, man. We're loved by the Creator. The one who created such a thing as trees was nailed to one on our behalf that changes the way we experience the junk of life. If when we experience hardship and if when we experience suffering, we begin to think that God doesn't love us, perhaps we're looking at what we're afraid of instead of looking at the cross. Jesus says, listen, I know there's fears outside this door, but look to me. You can glance at your fears, but I want you to stare at my wounds. This is how much I love you. The cross will always be for the people of God, our hope and our motivation. The cross changes our perspective of our fears. When Jesus speaks peace over them and when he shows up in their fear, he shows them the work of the cross. The text says they were glad. And so the next truth that I would proclaim to you and those of you who've been listening to my preaching for the last nine and a half years, you've heard me say this a whole lot. Only Jesus can satisfy the longings of a human heart. That's the truth about COVID-19 health, prosperity, And people getting along can't satisfy the human heart. Only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. 
In that moment, so many of the questions for the followers of Jesus were still unanswered, but they had a gladness that superseded their grief. The presence of Jesus, as real as it is available to you and to me today. It's the only hope to have any peace. It's the only hope to have any joy. The the bridge from sadness to joy is the presence of Jesus. From sorrow to satisfaction, from sadness to gladness, is the presence of Jesus. I believe that if the people of God actually believed this truth, we would feel something greater than the things we're afraid of. And I believe we would be treating one another differently. And I believe we would be behaving differently on our social media. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. And he is not playing hide and seek with you. He's as available as the air you breathe. But we got to move on. Because really, these first five are sort of like the introduction. (laughs) The heart of where I want to go is in these last two points. The truth is, there are legitimate, very real reasons to feel fear. The truth is, Jesus shows up in our fears. The truth is, Jesus speaks peace into our fears. The, The truth is, the cross changes our perspective of our fears. And the truth is, only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. But I want you to hear these last two points, and I'm hoping that this isn't something you'll sit and agree with, but that you'll walk out of here believing in your soul. The truth is the resurrection changes everything. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that this is pitiful. This is pitiful. See, in that moment, remember I told you we would come back to on that day. Well, here's what that day was. Early in the morning, Mary Magdalene went out to the tomb to serve the dead body of her Savior. And the stone was rolled away. In panic, she runs back to get Peter and John, who's writing this story right now, They run and see the empty tomb. They have an interaction with the manifest presence of God that asks the greatest question that's ever been asked. Why do you seek the living among the dead? By the way, every person that 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 I love, that I care about, that I see right now putting so much hope in their political views. I just want to say, why do you seek the living among the dead? And then Jesus himself appears to her and says, go tell the others what you've seen. She goes back to this room and says, I saw him. He's alive. And yet somebody still walks over the door. (laughs) Did they not believe her? Were they like, oh, sure, Mary, we know about your past. Mary had a little crucifixion relapse. They still lock the door. They're still afraid, even though she'd seen the resurrected Christ. And then all of a sudden, there he is. I love the words, among them. Only a resurrected Savior can be among them. And here's why that changes everything, church. 
And please don't be like, yeah, I believe that. What's the big deal? Holy Spirit of God, stir our hearts. Hear me. Y'all have heard me say this before. If Jesus died for us, he's good. But if he rose again, he's God. Everything changes in this room, in that moment, for us. Because Jesus displayed, confirmed, affirmed, I am God. I've been showing you that I'm good, and now I'm showing unmistakably that I'm God. And the reason that's so important is during COVID-19, we had research revealed to us in 2020, this year, of research done, uh, done among professing Christians. More than half, more than 50% of American professing Christians believe that Jesus was a good teacher, but was not God. And if that's not heartbreaking enough among the generic term Christians, among evangelicals, among those who would agree with us that the Bible is the word of God, those who would agree with us on all the doctrine that we would check the boxes of, those who call themselves evangelicals, more than 30 percent, almost one third of evangelicals said Jesus was a good teacher, but he wasn't God. And I'm just here to tell you, Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a good leader. Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a good healer. Jesus was a good friend, but he's so much more than that. He was, he is, and he forever more will be God. And if we don't believe that about Jesus, no wonder the world is burning. No wonder we see people who claim to be followers of Jesus clinging to their politics and clinging to their causes and clinging to their rights and clinging to their economic hope. No wonder if Jesus isn't God, let's shut this down. Let's go fishing. Let's go to the beach. Let's go out on the lake. Let's go do something else. But if he's God, if he's alive, if he's risen, then what else would we live for? What else would we follow? Where else would we place our hope? He alone is God. It changes everything. What's the truth about COVID-19? Jesus is king. That's the truth. There's none like him. There's none before him. Jesus is God. And I'll tell you this, my, my whole life, <laughs> everything about my life is predicated on the resurrection. All of my hope. We, as the people of God, we do not follow principles. We do not follow after doctrine. We do not follow after a teaching. We don't follow after theology. We don't follow after a book. We follow after a person. His name is Jesus. And he proved that he was God by raising from the dead. The resurrection changes everything. If the resurrection's true, then I might get COVID and die, and I'll be okay. If the resurrection is true, then my hope isn't in this life. It's the one who will carry me to the next life. If the resurrection's true, it changes everything.
Then Jesus says again. Let me say this, by the way. Um, if you think of, of truth like a funnel where we're narrowing our focus, right? So I believe all of the Bible is completely, infallibly, inerrantly true. I believe that. We'll talk about the implications of that in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. All of the Bible is true. But them red words are real important. Right? If you've got, if your app has red words of Jesus, or if you've got one of them old school paper Bibles that has the red words of Jesus, right? But when Jesus repeats himself, man, we're supposed to lean in. Jesus very seldom said the same thing twice in a row. Now, he often repeated himself in different settings, but only a handful of times does Jesus say the same thing twice. This is one of those very rare moments where twice Jesus says, Peace be with you. But the second time he says it, verses 21 and 22, Peace be with you, even as the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I believe the peace that's offered in the presence of Jesus, the peace that's offered in walking with Jesus, isn't just for my enjoyment. It is for my equipping to my calling. Because here's the final truth. The truth is, we are sent. We are commissioned as ambassadors of peace in a scared, broken world. Filled with the Spirit of God. I love that part. I love that Jesus breaks COVID protocol and breathes on them because it's that awareness that I'm not sent out in my own strength to be an ambassador of peace. I'm sent out in the fullness of His Spirit to be an overflow of peace. So this glory of the cross that fills my soul, the glory of the presence of God, He shows up in our fears, the glory of a satisfied soul. They were glad when they saw the Lord. The, the glory and the, the strength of the resurrection isn't just for me to be like, yay me and yay Jesus. It means I have a calling on my life. That peace is not just for us. It's to change the world through us. Right now I see the people of God not working for peace. No wonder we're not spreading it. If we will employ the discipline of drawing the peace of God for our good, it will, I believe, fulfill and and focus our commission as the people of God into a world locked behind a scared door. That peace given to us is not just for us. We have a mission greater than what we're afraid of. We have a mission greater than that which we are afraid of. One of the big questions, we're talking about the the truth about COVID-19. One of the huge questions is, is it true that I can be a carrier with no symptoms? And when I say that's a huge question, literally that is the single question that fueled the shutdown. What, what we will pass on as debt to our great-grandchildren incurred by the shutdown was all predicated upon the question, can I be asymptomatic? Because if not... I stay home if I'm sick. Problem solved. But no, it was you might be carrying and not know it and putting others at risk, right? It's still the question today. Let's be honest. It's the the giant question. By the way, it's the question that sitting at home with no symptoms for 14 days quarantining from my family 
that I kept thinking, are we sure this is a thing? And it's a question. Can I have COVID without symptoms? But here's the truth. We can't have saving faith without symptoms. If we're truly the followers of Jesus, the born again, blood bought sons and daughters of God, it will show up in the way we live. This giant question of man, COVID without symptoms is dangerous. Here's what I'll tell you. There's nothing more dangerous than a version of faith that has no symptoms. Could COVID without symptoms be deadly? I don't know, but I do know. I do believe with everything in me that the truth is faith without works is already dead. Heard a preacher say recently, he said, the devil is not scared of what we believe. He is scared of how we will live. The mission of the school on this hill where we're seeking to implant truth in the hearts of the next generation is not for their knowledge. It's for their living. The enemy is not scared that they will learn truth. He's terrified that they might live truth. Hell shudders when the people of God live out a symptom of faith. And I'll tell you this, I don't know what that looks like exactly in your world. I'm not sure the, the symptoms, which is, by the way, really interesting that a lot of people's symptoms are different with COVID. It's the same way with faith. God has a unique calling on your life for how you are to be an ambassador of peace in your little corner of planet Earth. It looks different for all of us. I'll tell you a real simple way that you can be an ambassador of peace right here in this local body. I want you to hear me as your pastor. I believe it's time for us to begin to reopen our children's ministry. We don't have enough volunteers to do that. We wanted to start back up our our children's ministry almost a month and a half, two months ago. And we reached out to our volunteers and there just weren't enough who felt comfortable returning it. And here's the deal. We're not busting your chops. We're not shaming you. Many of our volunteers work in the medical industry. Quite frankly, we'd rather you not breathe on our babies. We get it. But y'all, it's not like we're a congregation of 10 people. Let's go. Let's love on our families. A bunch of our young families haven't come back to church yet because they are like, I don't know, my kid's going to scream the whole service and everybody's going to wish I stayed home. So I'll just stay home. And what I'll tell you this morning is many of you have responded. We need three, four or five more people to say, hey, I'll hold a baby once a month. That's all we're asking. Maybe once every six weeks. You can right now, right now as you're watching, if you're streaming this, you can stop watching me and text serve FW to 94,000. Serve FW. Right now in the room, you're like, man, Holy Spirit speaking to me. I'm going to be an ambassador of peace by just blessing a young family. Text serve FW to 94,000. Right now, we need you, church. It's time to serve one another because this moment isn't just about us. This moment's about what God's doing through us. And what greater way than to encourage our young families? Say we're for you, we're with you. We want to walk alongside of you. But not just in our church. This idea of being ambassador of peace isn't just about once a month. Gracious day. (laughs) It's the daily walk. 
for some of you, God has commissioned you to sit in a cubicle next to people who are terrified of everything that's happening right now. And you can be the crazy, illogical, surpassing, understanding voice of peace. Some of you have been commissioned into a family of people who don't follow after Jesus. And you are there as an ambassador, a a flag waver of peace. Some of you are in a neighborhood surrounded by people terrified of what's going on in the world right now. They have reason to be afraid. We just have bigger reasons than the fears. Namely, the person of Jesus Christ. He's commissioned you to bear his presence where he has placed you. You aren't where you are by accident. It's not a single relationship you have that's by accident. It's ordained by the God who has sent you to be men and women of peace. Into a hurting world. We're sent on mission by Jesus. That's why he gave us his spirit. So we're not just sent by Jesus. We're sent through Jesus. And it's not about us. We're sent for Jesus. It's all about him. He has sent us into a hurting world. Do we have a faith without symptoms? The truth is, we have a calling on our life. You know, you don't reap what you think. You don't reap what you hope for. We reap what we sow. What are we doing? What are we doing right now? Right now, I'm watching the most selfish moment of my lifetime. Everybody's in protection mode. People of God are called to walk, not in the authority of fear. Logically, we understand fear. We're not lying to ourselves about scary stuff. We just believe something bigger. Francis Chan talks about the the game Simon Says. Remember that game when you were a kid? Simon Says, tap your head, right? And they'd be like, tap your head. Ah, you're out, right? All the kids who didn't listen got out first. I hated that game. Stupid Simon. I don't know who that guy is, but I didn't like him. Here's what, here's what we've done in the Christian faith. We've taken something as simple as Simon says. Jesus says, tap your head. And we're like, Jesus, I memorized what you said. You said, tap your head. We studied historically about head tapping in biblical times. We even went online and Googled what head tapping meant in the Greek. And we can't really pronounce it good, but it's got some phlegm in it. It's like, yeah, we got it. I even told other people, Jesus said, tap your head. And Jesus is like, hey, you haven't tapped your head yet. What we follow isn't a set of beliefs that we go, "Uh uh-huh. We follow after a living person. It changes the way we live our lives. You've got the call of God on you. Nothing can stop that. So here's the truth about COVID-19. You ready? The truth about COVID-19 is this. You're gonna make it. (laughs) And you're not gonna make it because you got this. You're going to make it because Jesus is God. (laughs) You're going to make it because Jesus is alive. You're going to make it because Jesus shows up in our fears. You're going to make it because Jesus offers peace 
even in the midst of scary stuff. You're going to make it because Jesus even offers joy in the midst of our fears. You're going to make it because Jesus laid down his life for you. And you're going to make it because Jesus took his life up again and rose from the dead and lives today. And you're going to make it because you've got a divine, holy calling in your life to be an ambassador of peace to hurting people that no one else is speaking peace to. No one else is speaking hope to. Nobody else is speaking life to. Nobody else is proclaiming Jesus to. You're going to make it. Because Jesus is who he says he is. My faith isn't that you're going to make it. It's what he's going to do in you. Because he's that good. If you don't know for sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, Jesus calls it being born again. It's a whole new life, a whole new start. If you don't know for sure that that's ever happened in your life, in just a moment we're going to sing about the authority and power of a healing God. As we sing this song about his healing, there's going to be some men and women in the prayer room, in the back of the room. And if you need to talk to somebody, we'd love to have a conversation with you. We will wear masks and we won't lay hands on anybody. We just want to talk to you about how you can know for sure that you have this peace that comes from Jesus. If you're watching online and you don't know for sure that that's your story, there's a link right by this video that says, Can We Talk? If you click on that, you can tell us how you want to engage in conversation, whether that's through text or a video chat, or if you want to meet in person, we're here however you want to engage with us because we believe there's nothing, there's nothing in the world greater than the peace of Jesus. And we want you to know that, experience that for yourself. Please click that link. Let us know how we can come alongside. If you want to join Temple, you can do that. As we're singing, you can come see me or Lance down front. We love you. And we're here for you. Let's stand up together. The band is going to make their way to the stage. We're going to pray. And then we're going to continue to worship together. Father, thank you for showing up. Thank you for sending your son to meet us where we are. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving us peace. There's some scary stuff going on, Father. We need you. May we set our hope firmly in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him together.